Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody. Um, I am a writer. I'm an editor. I'm a cookbook author. My newest cookbook, which is also called Healthier Together, is being released on April 9th, which is in like two weeks from when I'm recording this, which is absolutely insane. If you haven't listened to the Healthier Together podcast before, I call it the like, I'll have what she's having podcast. I find extraordinary people living extraordinary lives and I try to figure out all of their secrets to how they got there, whether it's overcoming a wellness challenge or figuring out their purpose or something with self-actualization or finding love all of those things. So this episode today actually deals a lot with success and how we define success and how we walk away from society's notions of success, which I found absolutely fascinating. But we will get into that in just one second. I have a few little housekeeping things that I want to talk to you guys about. I have a couple of events coming up that are really exciting and I would love, 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 love to meet any of you in person. I'm so huge on community. If you've ever heard me talk at events, I think community is one of the most important things in the world and one of the things that we don't talk about that's missing from the wellness world. So I love events and getting to hug and squeeze all of you in real life. So the first one is coming up on this Saturday, March 23rd, and it's called The Good Fest. It is an amazing, it's mostly females. I think a few guys go. Zach's going to actually be there this time, but it's a wellness event. It's a one-day wellness event, and it's in Austin, Texas this year. There's going to be yoga from Koya Webb. Busy Gold is speaking. I'm hosting a panel, um, and I'll be talking on it and kind of leading the questions as well about anxiety and wellness, and I think that's going to be a fascinating, fascinating conversation. So if you're anywhere in the Texas area, March 23rd. You can buy tickets now. They're available um, on thegoodvest.com slash Austin, or you can go to my website, lizmoody.com. I have an events page and you can find all of my upcoming events there and you can see if I'm going to hit up a city near you. So Austin, March 23rd, The Good Vest. It's one of my favorite wellness events of the year. Super fun. I would love, love, love to see you there. And then on April 9th in New York City, I have my book launch party for Healthier Together. The book comes out on April 9th. So this is actually the event on the day it comes out. And I'm hosting a panel with two of my really, really good friends in New York City in the wellness cookbook author world, um, Serena Wolf, who is the woman behind Domesticate Me, which is an amazing food blog. And she also is the author of The Dude Diet, which is an incredible cookbook. It takes like delicious yummy food, like casseroles and cheesy stuff, and it makes it a little bit healthier, um, which I'm all about. And then Ali Mafucci, who invented the concept of Inspiralizing. So she did three cookbooks. They're all amazing. And she also has a product, the Inspiralizer, which Inspiralize, I guess it's your spiralizing, but you spiralize anything. It's the best spiralizer on the market. I use it every day. So we'll be speaking at the beautiful ABC home space. We're going to have wine and food and everybody who comes gets a cookbook and it'll just be a ton of fun, a big a big party. I'm so excited to celebrate the book with all of you. So you can get tickets to that on lizmoody.com. Um, so just click on my events tab on my website. That is April 9th. And I would love, love, love to see you there. And then finally, just to wrap up our housekeeping here, I am still giving away my three-day soup cleanse to anybody who pre-orders Healthier Together. So the soup cleanse is awesome. You can make everything yourself. You make it all in like two hours on a Sunday, and then you have literally all of your meals for the soup cleanse for the next three days. Um, it's You're never going to be hungry. It's really easy to do. And it's just like a fun little reset after you've eaten a lot of, you know, 
candy bars for dinner, you've gone on a vacation or something like that. So if you'd like the three-day soup cleanse absolutely free, just pre-order the book on any website that you'd like to pre-order it on, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anything like that, and then screenshot your receipt and send it to liz at lizmoody.com and I will shoot you the soup cleanse over and then you can tell me if you like it and I will say thank you for ordering the book and it'll be wonderful. So I'll be doing that up until the launch. So if you would like the soup cleanse, go ahead and do the pre-order now. All right. That is it for that. Let's get into my guest today. I have two women on the podcast today, and they are a lovely married couple. They're two women that I absolutely adore, Catherine Budig and Kate Fagan. They're both kind of phenomenal women in their own right, and it's insane that they found each other and then got married because I feel like it's like They were these separate stars and then they merged together. Now they're this like supernova that's almost crazy to look at because it's so bright and shiny. So I'll I'll describe each of them individually quickly in case you don't know who they are. Catherine Budig has written two books, the most recent of which is Aim True, which I love. She has a SpaghettiOs recipe in it that I'm absolutely obsessed with. She's traveled the world teaching yoga. And then most recently, she designed a collection with Kira Grace of yoga clothes slash performance clothes slash you can actually wear these to like a bar because they look like real clothes. There's a pair of leggings that has slashes in them that are my favorite, favorite, favorite leggings in the entire world. They're so comfortable and they look like real pants. Nobody who ever sees me wearing them thinks that I'm wearing anything other than real pants. So obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with those. And she's also just this amazing person. I've gotten to know her through the wellness world over the last few years, but long before I knew her personally, I admired her from afar and I did her yoga on Yoga Glow um, and I was absolutely obsessed with it for years. So I just find it such a blessing that she's somebody that I call a friend. Now I actually tell a story that's a little bit embarrassing about how I knew her before I knew her personally at the beginning of this episode. So you'll get to hear that. I'm still debating whether I should have shared it or not, but I did. So you can hear it. And then Kate, Kate Fagan is a former ESPN host. She has also written two books because apparently you have to write two books to be in their relationship. I'm just kidding. We actually talk a lot about like, it's not the accomplishments that matter. That's like a theme of this podcast. But she wrote recently, What Made Maddie Run, which is a really, really beautiful and important book. And it was also a New York Times bestseller. And she is working on a number of different writing projects. We talk about what she's up to these days. She actually left ESPN recently and in her full-time role there. So we talk about what she's doing now. And now they live in Charleston and together they host the Free Cookies podcast, which is an amazing podcast, not only because they had me as a guest on a recent episode, but it's really fun. They have like a very cool dynamic. I don't know if you guys listen to Car Talk, like I don't know, ages ago. I used to listen to it when I was a tiny kid because my dad would listen to it in the car. And I just remember the two hosts having this really fun banter. And that's what their podcast reminds me of. They talk about really interesting stuff, but they're always like calling each other out and also being really loving and supportive of each other when one of them like says a good smart word or something like that. So free cookies podcast, super fun to listen to. In this episode, we talk about their love story. We talk about how they met and who talked to who first and all of that type of stuff. And then we really dig into the notion of success and how that fits into our lives. They both achieved a ton of career success, and then they dealt with that in, I think, a very unique way and responded to that in a really unique way and then lived their lives very different 
I think, than a lot of people who achieved those levels of success and made very different choices. And so we get into that and how they did that and why they did that and how that's affected how they're living now, which I think is really, really fascinating. We talk about digital minimalism, which is Kate's current obsession. Um, The notion of scaling and kind of having a large life with replicable success versus like a smaller life where you're fostering a more intimate community. What else do we do? We give sex a new definition, which I'm very into. I think it's a good one. So you guys will have to let me know after the episode if you think that we nailed it. It's a great definition of sex, I think, because it can apply across all different types of relationships. So whether it's two men having sex, two women having sex, a man and a woman having sex, I think our new definition is applicable. Um, And then we also just talk about some wellnessy stuff. We talk about the wellness practices that they do in their life and how they live their healthiest and happiest lives. I think this is a really fun episode for anyone interested in pursuing their dreams, anybody trying to figure out what their dreams are, anybody trying to figure out how to be happy against all of the world's pressures and everybody telling us what we should be doing all of the time. And then also, I think it's a fun one just from like a voyeuristic perspective. We talk a little bit about what it's really like to be a celebrity or live a celebrity life and also what's kind of happening in the back alleys of the wellness world. So it's fun for all of those reasons. You can find Kate and Catherine both on Instagram. Catherine is at Catherine Budig. Kate is at Kate Fagan3. You can also find me on Instagram at Liz Moody. As always with this episode, I'll be doing a little giveaway on Instagram on my page. I think let's give away one copy of Catherine's book and one copy of Kate's book. They can be like a little healthier together book pair. So go over to at Liz Moody and just look for the quote on my feed and you can find out how to enter to win a copy of both of those books there. All right. And that is all I think I have for you guys today. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. As always, come tell me what you think. I love talking about the episodes with you. I love when you guys like share it and tell me what resonated with you or things that are, you know, making you approach life differently because it makes me feel like we're just one big giant community and we're all growing and learning and changing together. And that makes me so happy. And with that, let's get into the show. All right. I'm here with Catherine and Kate in their lovely home. And Kate, my frozen bag of kale. Of kale, because we didn't have peas. She's I basically, my shoulder. I was Bradley Cooper and she's Lady Gaga and I got her some peas because she's hurt. And then... Are you guys secretly in love? No, it's not like... uh, (laughs) Wait, we're in the movie where we were openly in love. Is one of you going to die? I was going to say, I didn't mean to punch anyone in the face. It's not fun. Oh, my God. That was the the scene at the... punched me in the shoulder socket. (laughs) Yeah, poor Catherine is injured. And she also had to teach a yoga class this morning. So with with an injury, you did a great job, though. I feel good. Did you like the class, Kate? I love the class. Yeah? And Catherine, Catherine is extremely courageous for teaching through it with an injured wing. With a smile on my face the entire time. It's a lot. There's so many. I would get nervous with that many people. I don't know, like not only watching you, but having you like hold space for them. And then also like, I don't know, putting their stuff on you. I I, have I told you the story of me in London? No, no, but we want to know it. Um, the story of me in London. Uh, the story like of me in of London. Yeah. Um, when I Moody in London. No, this is like I. I actually don't know if I want, well, I'm going to tell. Okay, um, <laughs> I was going to say, you, you got to go. So when I was in London was when my anxiety like reached its absolute peak. And there was like a month where, I mean, I was super anxious the whole time. There's like a month I was super agoraphobic and like didn't leave my bed. But like the thing, one of the main things that like helped me with my anxiety was I would do my yoga glow every day because I'd read somewhere that yoga like was really good for anxiety. So I'd literally like 
go do my Catherine Budig yoga glow session. And then you came to London to do a workshop. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't left the house probably in like several weeks. And I like got myself up other than to go to therapy, which was like my one thing I would leave the house for. And I got myself up and I like went to your workshop and I was so proud of myself. And then- What year was this? God, it was a long time ago. You were married to a man. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that says a lot. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But I like went up. So I was like That's kind so of dumb. shaking. And then I was so proud of myself. And I was in the class doing it. And you had us like touching each other in the class. And that felt so good because I hadn't really been like touching anybody. Yeah, like yeah. human contact. And then I went up to you after the class. And I was like shaking. And I was like, you've helped me so much with my anxiety. And it was such a lovely full circle moment for me when you guys invited me down here to do free cookies because I was just, you were such a big part of that for me. But then I was thinking today, like that's a lot to put on somebody to go up to them at an event like that and like be like, I've been carrying this weight emotionally. Can you please take, you know what I mean? Like it's a compliment, but it's a lot. But it's not a transference necessarily. Right. You know, it's, I believe as a teacher, specifically being a yoga teacher, part of your job is not only teaching the class, but, you know, allotting a certain amount of time for people, if they want to connect with you, to be open to it. Obviously, there's a lot of healthy boundaries that you have to create because you can let people walk all over you. But at the same time, if I've traveled to London and there's someone who, if they can utter two sentences to me, that's going to make them feel complete because... You know, I often teach through a computer screen, and so I don't know how I'm affecting people or helping people. And if it's going to mean a lot to them to come up and tell me that, then I want to be present for that, for them to say something. So it means a lot to me when people say that. And yeah, after a big class like that, I normally go home and what are you you supposed to like touch your plants and transfer the energy? Wait, really? Oh, what like, do you mean you're supposed to like? Is this like the golden rule? It, do unto others wait, as they would do unto you. Touch they your teach plants. It to you and I thought minimally it's for your emotion. And I'm like, I would never what? do that to my plant babies. No, but I thought that was like a woo-woo common thing where after you've been around a lot of people. <laughs> wait, seriously. After you've been around a lot of people, you're supposed to like go touch a plant. Okay, while Liz and, and I talk, you <laughs> Google and find this common, common. <laughs> In my, in my crazy world, okay. Is that why you're always caressing the plants? What do you do after class to like get rid of the, or even oh, after a like plant. a panel I, or uh, something uh, like that? Well, oh my God. Um, no, I just, I like to be alone afterwards. You know, I'm not the person who wants to go out and party with a bunch yeah. of people after I'm teaching. I want to go home, shower, put on my sweatpants, watch Outlander. That's our show right now. That's our show right now. I'm really into time travel, but I've never watched that show, but I feel like, I don't I don't I mean, know why I said I'm really into time like, travel. Well, how are you, into it? Are you? Like, what the, how do you practice your love of time travel? We're only I two centuries late to the party. History. Um, and so anything that's like I get really obsessed with his like I know the entire Hamilton soundtrack, but I also can like give you the abridged version if you listen to it where I tell you like what's factually accurate and like all of that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It's fun. It's a really fun car ride. <laughs> I really can't wait for us to hang out. It sounds amazing. No, we, but I know what you mean because like we love Outlander one because of the time travel and also because we're learning about Scottish yeah, history. It's like we didn't yes. know about Jacobites before we yeah, watched the, the Battle show. of Culloden. Yeah, those annoying people taking selfies at like the Culloden site. We are not going to ruin the moor any more than it has already been. Dude, ruined this is by a the thing now. All the Outlander fans are like ruining the site oh, of, no. the, of the Battle of Culloden because they're like oh, taking no. selfies, and now there's like an uptick in you know population that's traipsing the lands. I and feel we're like that's, add what, to it. that's what Iceland. Oh wait, are you guys planning a trip to Scotland? 
Yes, I'm teaching in Belfast in June. Oh my so God. I'm going to go see all my Irish buddies and then we're just going to hop over to Scotland. For oh my gosh. Bit. Might teach in Edinburgh too. We'll see. That's so fun. Yeah. I'm going to Scotland in August with my dad. Where he wants to hike between distilleries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's his plan. Um, two distilleries. No, all of like he wants to like spend like two Does weeks. Does he have it mapped out? Like, so he wants to hike among distilleries. Yeah, he wants to like like walk during the day and then end up at a it's scotch i guess it's scotch there yeah. distillery and then drink until he falls asleep and then do do it again wait the next so day. is this <laughs> like a very like, scottish thing to do you is this can? like machu picchu where you're hiking like 15 miles during the day like is, do are you, you actually drunk in machu picchu at night is that well, part of it i mean does he <laughs> want to like drop does he want to like be in a little city and walk from distillery to distillery yeah. you guys like backpacking oh no backpacking from, he wants to backpack oh so you're gonna walk like 15, 15 miles, miles. Yeah. okay yeah machu picchu was Unless a great we get example lost. it was like a bicycle tour yeah it's like, like and you can do that and one of the things i love about england i used to live in england as you heard by my um terrible anxiety story <laughs> that i kicked off of the podcast with but you can literally they have footpaths that go over and i don't know i assume it's same as scotland but they have footpaths over the whole uh country so you can just walk from city to city like we went to a wedding there last may and all of our British friends were like, let's just walk to the next town over there today. And they like <laughs> took their shoes what? off and like walked, walked to, the to the next, next town. town. Wow. Yeah, it was special. And it, But it's like, it's such a benign country. Like they say when you're living there that there's nothing there that can kill you. Like they like eradicated every, yeah, it's the opposite of Australia. Yeah. yeah. So they send their hearty Other people to Australia. Humans. Yeah, no, humans can kill you anywhere. But meaning like there's no wildlife. Yeah, there's can... like no bugs that can kill you. There's no bears. It's Watch just out, like... it's a flock of sheep. Yeah, exactly. That's like the worst thing you can get in Australia. Good job, babe. Thanks. That's a really good accent. Was it? I don't yeah. know. It really just depends what class you're going for. It was with that, your accent. Yeah, that was like that a, was a little more hackney. Hackney. That was like a hackney. British person trying to be Scottish, mm. or an American trying to be Scottish and sounding a little bit British. You can? You can. Okay, let's talk about digital minimalism. <laughs> oh, natural transition. <laughs> because when I walked in here and I asked if there's anything that you guys wanted or didn't want to talk about, assuming you would say like, oh, I have this cool project I'm trying to promote or something like that. Kate no. said, I'd like to talk about digital minimalism. Catherine is like, you can go ahead. Kate gets on these kicks. She gets these, I mean, and this kick has been secular because this is not the first time that Kate says that she's going to completely stop using... The Drugs. internet and her phone. <laughs> Which is technology. And, and, and have a flip phone. Wow. We actually have a flip phone in the other room that Some has never been opened. Okay, yeah, so what do you think when you think about that? So do you not feel like social media is a necessary evil to being like your type of career, i.e. No. a public figure? Yeah, I don't It is think for it's, me. It's not for Kate. I don't, I don't think it's necessary for anyone. For any, so you Bold. would you um, disagree with Catherine that she says it's necessary for her? Because she just said it was. Yeah, I understand the perspective. I just think that with how much communication we've done between the two of us about like what projects we actually want to work on, and they're all more long-term, deeper projects, right? Like a cookbook that really, that we've been brainstorming. I'm trying to write a novel. There's all these different projects that just take shutting out the outside world and like going into yourself. And I think if you did that, you would be able to then make money and connect with an audience and you wouldn't, you, not you as in Catherine, I'm not looking at Catherine, mm. I'm just saying generally, you wouldn't necessarily need like the day-to-day social media presence. Okay, so what about to play devil's advocate? You the shut devil up. has enough advocates. She's so cranky pants about that statement. She, okay. I hate that statement. Okay, what about There's nothing to wrong with that express statement. an opinion that I 
grapple with it's myself. It's okay, Liz. <laughs> say whatever right, you want like, No, okay. no, no. I, like, no, I want to know what you actually think. This is what what I, I, no, this is what I actually, I mean, it's an issue I struggle with, but you go, you shut yourself out from the outside world. You do this project you're really passionate about, and then you go to a publishing house and you try to sell it, and they say, who's your audience, and yeah. how are you going to reach them? That's the problem. It's career suicide for especially... I mean, and Kate, when she writes this novel that she wants to write and be away from the world, exactly when it comes to publication time, I mean, her publication house is going to be like, all right, we need to see posts, we need to see shares. We or need to- then you're relying on, like you could say, well, I don't need that and I'll reach out to my network of people who have social media, but then you're relying on other people to sort of eat the bad apple instead of you having to eat the bad apple. So if you want to do something that's inherently audience dependent how do you do that without cultivating an audience well i see how like when a project comes out you need to be online and promoting it i'm not disputing that that's the way to get the word out uh, unless you're like one of the small percentage of artists writers creatives who just don't need that anymore but i also think that people convince themselves that they need to be doing three posts a day every day when like I don't think that taking a few months off and then coming back, like you haven't really lost anything. Mm. And in that time, I think that you will do much better work. So it's not like I'm like, I'm gonna have a flip phone. I'm never gonna be on social media again. And you know, and it's like technology, I'm gonna be like the Amish, right? In fact, I'm not even gonna go there, but the Amish actually (laughs) make smart decisions about technology. They're like, is this technology that will improve our lives? Or is this technology that is going to distract from our core values of like community and connection? So anyway, the digital minimalism thing is just, it's almost like a whole 30, but for digital technology, you just take 30 days and you, you say, what is the optional technology in my life? You know, and for some people that's, they can't get rid of text messages because they have kids and those kids tell them when they got to get picked up from soccer practice that way, you know, or like. It might not be optional for some people. Maps might not be optional. I mean, I travel a lot and Hotel Tonight for me a lot of times is it's not optional. Right. I mean, it could I could work around it. But anyway, the larger point is just that I think too many people make the decision about technology just saying there's some benefit to it instead of acting like what's the overall cost? You're getting getting a few extra viewers or a few extra consumers of whatever product you put out, but it's costing you actually ever creating that thing for a lot of people. Like they're like, I want to, I want to do this deep work. I want to write a book. I want to write whatever the creative thing is that they want to do. And they're stuck in like the day-to-day bullshit. So I think there's, there's, we can get much farther away from the day-to-day churn than we are now. I think that the fear isn't that people will go away, but it's, I think a greater societal fear, which I wanted to talk to you about anyways, um, which is that you won't continue to grow. So like if I go off social media for three months, I'm not like, oh, the followers that I have are going to be gone. I'm like, everybody else is continuing to get bigger while I'm gone and I'm not continuing to get bigger. And I think there's a general societal pressure that if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Well, I think that's the addiction of social media and what they want you to believe. I mean, they're paying people to make you believe that. I don't think it's social media specific though. Like, so there's a, one of your podcasts recently, which had a really great guest named Liz Moody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You What did she say? She sounded really like smart. Her dad was like medium on it, but uh, she sounded really smart. I thought. Um, You got bad feedback from your dad? No, he was just, I think we were listening in the car and he like couldn't hear me that well. And he kept being like, what is this? You know, like he was like really grumpy about it. But yeah. 
But you said that you didn't want an ESPN show. And I thought that was really interesting because you said that everybody expected with your career path that you would, the goal, the end goal would be to have an ESPN show of your own, which I guess you like have a show and it's like nighttime with Kate Fagan and basketball or something. Or you're like a co-host of, you know, like an afternoon show. Right. But you were a co-host of a show, right? Yeah. Like I had shows that I was on every Friday or I would substitute host, but like I didn't have my show that if I left ESPN, the show would stop. The show would stop. So- I think that that speaks to this greater, like I found it really interesting, surprising, and I was almost jealous of the ability to be like, I don't want that because I think it's so ingrained into me. But like, I would love to be like, and I think it's something I'm working on to not just be like, I want the maximum amount of success possible, Mm -hmm. but I think it's very ingrained in us to want the maximum amount of success possible. And that goes with the social media and goes with all of that. So like, do you think you're defining success differently or how are you different in that? Like, why are you able to not say you want your own show when everybody expects that? Well, I think it starts out with we're both really lucky that we've had very successful careers. So we do have a taste of what it feels like to be successful. And we have been wildly ambitious. And we've recognized that the higher our ambitions become, often the further we get from being happy. And there's only so many years that you can do that and totally miss the correlation of like this pursuit of this untangible moving goalpost that I can never attain. Like it's not making me happy. And we have found, we, I think we're chipping into it slowly, you know, the things that make us happy. And it turns out it's not accolades and it's not success. And we both still, I mean, we would be lying if we say we don't have an ego when it comes to wanting to be seen. And it's something we both been in in the spotlight for so long. And I personally struggle with it because I really want to be in it, but I don't want to be in it at all. But I really want to be in it and I don't want to be in it at all. And it's, it's almost like I've been going through this detox Mm -hmm. of needing other people to feel like I'm special and worth it. Instead of looking back at the long list of things that I've done with my life where it's like, if I had never did something else, I would still feel like I did something good on this earth. Why do I have to keep trumping things that I've already done before? And what choices can I make for myself? And what can we make as a couple that is bringing our mental health into a place that is not reliant on something that we can't control? Okay, how do you do that? Well, just <laughs> what, to add, just to add yeah. on that, like, I think it was The Atlantic last week did an article on like workism. And it was, it's just the idea that I think a lot of us who are, maybe borderline millennials, maybe, you know, mid, mid thirties, and certainly people in their twenties and and early thirties. It's that, this idea of like work and achievement as a, as our religion. Mm -hmm. And that, and for a lot of people in that age bracket who are maybe just starting their careers now, or are coming to that place of like 10, 15 years of like being in them. I have thought of a pursuit of success and work as what I prayed to as who, what I showed up for as the thing that would fuel me instead of, you know, traditional religions or whatever anyone subscribes to and worships. I certainly worship this idea of pursuit of success. Like that, I was like, that's, what's going to fill the, you know, the hole that we all have in our hearts is like success. And then you get success and like, it doesn't fill that hole. And then you're just spun. But also I think a lot of people get success and it doesn't fill that hole. And then Like I would have been mind blown five years ago if I'd known I would have the level of success I have today, but it doesn't fill that hole. So I'm like, Mm got to get more, you know? And so how do you feel great in like one 
it's very much like an addiction. It's like, you will feel great if your cookbook hits the New York Times bestseller list. But then did it hit number one on the New no, York? No, I mean, that's exactly what happened. How yeah, many so weeks you is it on the list? the New York Times bestseller yeah. list for your book. Yeah. And, then and what it, can you just like walk me through what that felt like? Um, <laughs> we got into a really big fight that um, day. We did. But <laughs> about the New York Times bestseller list? Yeah. What can you tell me about it? You brought it up. Now you got to follow through. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, I mean, this is a prime example of this conversation is just I, when my second book came out, I aim true, aim true. I was hell bent on getting on the list. And in retrospect, I'm like, what a fucking idiot. Like, it's about the content. It's not about where it lands. And it's not about how many people it reaches. It's about who's affected by it. And I just, you know, had goggles on for like, I have to be on the list. And my agent and my publishing house, they all like expected it to get there and blah, 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 like boring with the details, but it didn't. But I did get on the Canadian bestseller list. Mm-hmm. I'm very popular in Canada. But the point is, it and was just nicer people. And I had a really, major so. emotional hangover afterwards. And it's something that it just stoked into insecurity issues that I've had in my entire life. And it kind of woke up those beasts and so I started tackling some ghosts in the hallway of my mind that I hadn't seen in a while. And then the pitfalls of marrying someone really smart and amazing is that they're successful and they have amazing things because they pulled them in. And so when she got on the list, I didn't think she was being sensitive to my struggles. And I knew she was going to hit the list. I knew I was talking to my therapist about it. He's like, you know, it's going to happen. I'm like, I know it's going to happen. How did you get like, was there a, a buzz or an energy before the book came out? Like, how do you how do you know the book was going to hit the, or just because? Uh, well, I, I think it was a combination of the topic. It's timely and yet it's a universal thing. It was. This is the book, What Made Maddie Run. And it's so important. Um, (laughs) And then that combined with she wrote an amazing book. There was already a lot of buzz about the long form story she had written a few years before. And we got a lot of good media. She got great. She had a great platform. She's on Mm -hmm. ESPN. She was on the Today Show. Or not we the, did. The I did. Show. I did the, the Daily Show. show. Daily Show. She's. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Which um, is, I have such a crush on him. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. I mean, I think everybody does. Hell but, lot, yeah. yeah. And you just you follow. You know, it's like of course you're stalking it. You follow the Amazon numbers, and we knew yeah. it had gotten to like the top fifteen. It was the worst because I was legitimately excited. I wanted her to make sure it. she was. Hey now, hey. <laughs> I had cookies made in the form of your face for the launch party. Were they um, from New York City? Natural colors and flavors. No. <laughs> Healthy they cookies. Were, they were Whole Thirty approved cookies. But that's no, I mean, I so think I would have such a hard time. My husband is in the startup world, and he's not even rem- like. And when he's involved in my shit, it's a hundred percent my shit. And I have so many friends who are writers, and they date other writers, and I oh. would have such a hard time with it. It was tricky, and I mean, I behaved badly. And I know that, but it was also just like I was not in an emotional place to fully 100% celebrate her. So I was did, like going but, hard until it happened. And what did it crashed. feel like for you? Because like you're elated that you're, I mean. Aside from the fight that we had. Yeah. Which we did you quickly. understand where, where she was coming from for it? Or were you like, this is my day? I didn't think of it as my day. It's just, I think I didn't understand at the time. I didn't know that it would be such a big deal because I had, did not have the same attachment to making the New York Times bestseller list. So it didn't. And so it's hard for me to understand how it would a year and a half later, right? A year and a half after her book, like, like be so powerful to her that it would not just be upsetting her, but it would trump even excitement 
for me. And so there's a lot of confusion there. Just like when you don't feel an emotion about something, when you know, it's hard to really understand. But we worked through it quickly. But to our original point as well, like when it made the list, like, of course, by the end, I was like, I hope it makes a list. You know, it's a nice thing to put on the paperback, if nothing else. Yeah. And the email that came in after that I'd made it was like, now let's keep going and, and yeah. climb the list. Oh, and that's yeah. honestly, when that's I got that email, I was like checking out. I'm fucking checking out. I know. So you know, and was that like, from course, like your publicity team? No, I, I mean, it might have been from Little Brown or my age. I mean, who knows, right? But oh like, it God. was like, this is great. Now let's keep going and climb it. And I was just like, fuck all y'all. Like, <laughs> I, right then, I was like, the moment lasted less than seven seconds. I have like a full physical reaction to that. <laughs> that's insane. That's so, like feels so indicative of everything. And it, and, yeah, but that's success and celebrity it, grow, well, or growing not, up. Not celebrity, but like. Oh, anyway. Well, so, I think celebrity too, just because when I used to live in LA, I, I taught privately a lot of celebrities. And my big takeaway, <laughs> not all of them just in case anyone happens to be listening to the podcast right now. Um, (laughs) If you're listening, it's not you. But many of them, I mean, they were like the most effed up people I had ever met and unhappy. And they, I mean, if you looked at them from the outside, I'm like, how would you have to be unhappy about? You have all this money and everyone loves you and look at your house and this, and you can afford to have a yoga teacher like come and have coffee with you. And then you still pay me even though we did five minutes of yoga. It's ridiculous. And it's just, it's lonely, you know? And Is it lonely or is it that they're so reliant on, or maybe both, but they're reliant on the external validation so much that they yes, never learn I, I think to the build latter. anything internally. Well, okay, a couple things. And you lose your grasp on reality. Yeah, like a couple things to that. Like I'm, when I was doing, when I was with ESPN and- When Kate was super famous. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> the first time I hung out with you, people were like shouting at you when we were walking around. Yeah, there's a certain form of sports fan that like will know. Yeah. Who, you know, oh, she well, can and, they, and they're yeah. shouty. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's sports fans like, can you Kate? Are you okay? We scratch my back. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So when I was, when I was with ESPN, I hosted a Saturday morning radio show. And one time we had um, an entertainment writer who co-hosted with us. She worked for the undefeated, whatever, it doesn't matter. And she told this story about how when she would cover Hollywood, every single red carpet event, premiere, party she went to, the media was circulated a list of who was going to be there in order of priority. And so it would be like- you know, it'd be like one, and this was surprising me. She was like, Reese Witherspoon would always be in the top three. She was very coveted, you know, but, but it would be like, of course, like Brad Pitt, George Clooney, there would be people that it was like, those are the people you have to get, but it would be listed in numerical order. Oh. And so it's like, like, how are you, and this is applicable. I mean, yes, I'm talking about Hollywood right now, but I mean, it's applicable to everyone because now we see those types of numbers reflected back to us in so many ways. Likes on a Instagram post. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and nobody likes this. Where and what are you hurt? supposed yeah. to think? You know, it's like yeah. if two years ago you were like seven on the list, you know, because the celebrities saw these lists. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like 30th on the list, which, you know, with like a tag, like, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. So uh, all of that stuff, I think, once was reserved for celebrities. It's, I don't think they're the healthiest group of people necessarily that we've ever had in our society for good reason. And now I think that that has been transferred to whether you have something I talk about, too, like whether you have 80 followers on Instagram or two million, you can engage in that same behavior. Mm-hmm. And no, I have friends who don't use Instagram professionally at all, and they'll still take down photos if they don't get a lot of likes, like they don't get 15 I know, likes I just or something. learned that that's a thing. Yeah. That's and crazy. I'm just like... 
Because they don't want why, people looking at their page and thinking they're not popular. Yeah, like if you're not using it for it. your business, I'm just like, why do you care at all? It's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. I want to take a quick break so I can tell you a little bit about one of my favorite supplements right now, Charlotte's Web. If you're not living under a rock, you've likely heard of CBD. It's the wellness supplement du jour. It's the non-psychoactive component of the hemp or marijuana plant, meaning it won't get you high at all, and it interacts with a huge number of parts of your body to help bring them back into balance. Charlotte's Web takes this one step further. Rather than isolated CBD, it's a full-spectrum hemp extract, which I love because I prefer plants in the whole food form generally. I just assume that nature knows far more than us at this point about everything working synergistically. The company is also vertically integrated, which means they produce everything in the bottle from seed to shelf. With hemp extract or CBD, this is a huge deal since it can often be contaminated. And if you're taking a contaminated supplement, it kind of beats the point, doesn't it? Charlotte's Web is also legal in all 50 states. So this is how I use it. I usually take two full dropperfuls of the Mint Chocolate Plus, which is the middle strength one out of the three strengths, and I put that under my tongue at night. I let it sit there for about 20 seconds since it absorbs better by sitting under your tongue rather than going through the stomach or digestive system, and then I swallow. I really find that it helps promote a healthy sleep cycle for me. I also keep a bottle at work, and I'll take one dropper full just to deal with stress throughout the day. Again, it does not make you feel high at all. I personally find that I just feel way calmer, especially when I'm taking it regularly. I also love to make healthy recipes with it. I have a lavender chocolate truffle recipe coming out in my new Healthier Together cookbook, and I also have a lavender hot chocolate recipe on my Instagram feed. So clearly I like lavender and chocolate together. I use the unflavored version for recipes, although the mint chocolate one would be super delish and some chocolate energy balls, which I would love to just like have a stash of in my fridge whenever I'm feeling that burst of stress around three in the afternoon. I feel like you know what I'm talking about there. It'd also be really good in ice cream, I think. So I'll have to try that. If you want to try the CW Hemp Extracts, they have been kind enough to offer 10% off for all Healthier Together listeners. Just go to cwhemp.com backslash healthier together, cwhemp.com backslash healthier together, like the name of the podcast, and use the code healthier together when you check out to get 10% off. Again, that's the code healthier together, cwhemp.com backslash healthier together. And then hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Liz Moody with any questions. I've studied this stuff a ton and I love talking about it. I truly believe in it and it's made a massive difference in my life. All right, let's get back to the interview. What did you realize upon achieving that success? Like, actually makes you happy and I guess in a greater scheme and then also in like a what do you do on a Monday (laughs) should we talk about what truly makes us happy I mean I think we could probably finish each other's sentences on what a Monday looks like if we're really happy on what a Monday looks like meaning like a Monday morning or any yeah like what I think people are like oh the things that make me happy are like community and like yeah good food and then I'm like okay but like we all still have a certain amount of hours that we need to fill every right. day like what does your day-to-day look like when you're applying those well, principles yeah. of happiness I mean, I, I, more in a more general answer what I started to realize was that a lot of our jobs and most for a lot of people you're getting caught up in just like the circular churn of just doing very shallow level of work and that looks like 
on being on top of your email inbox. And then at the end of the day, being like, I've accomplished something when like really all you've done is like pushed information around and you've not created anything. And like, whether you're working as a writer or you're working as an actuary at an insurance company, there are, there's a level of like deep thinking that you have to do to like really be valuable. And I started to realize that like, I just was telling myself I was doing work, which looked like that. Mm -hmm. It's like putting up an Instagram post, like sending 32 emails, like taking five minute phone calls. And like at the end of the day, I hadn't created anything new. And in my world that was writing. And I noticed the times I did write, even if it was for two hours and I wrote seven, you know, 500, 700 words, I would just feel like, oh, like that's me, that's me again. And I think whatever that is for people, there's something that they're doing. Maybe it's not their, you know, day-to-day job, but it's like this thing that they love to do. And we're all, I think, getting away from doing that. So to me, that's Mm -hmm. what I was like. We're distracted. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, like I need to do this thing, whether it's painting or writing or, you know, crunching. People love crunching numbers, you know? I feel like we're getting away from any kind of work where you don't just like push information around. So that to me is what I wanted to get back to. And to say that super concisely, I think per day, we really like one. No, I'm just compiling it into a neat little sentence. Good. One to two hours a day of work makes us feel really good. And by work, you mean real production. Like true, true, not running errands, not Not hopping on putting up an Instagram post. Conference calls are the least productive thing ever. I mean, because there's more work in quote unquote work than that in the day. But if I could get like an hour or two hours where like, I was just me in my own body creating something. That to me is where I need that at least three to five times a week. And then we shift into, yeah, we want to see our friends. Yes, we want to go out to a restaurant. Yes, we want to cook amazing food. And then once the sun goes down, we are like, phones off, computers off. Let's watch our shows or Or just be with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so what's your one or two hours? Is that also writing? I feel the best when I have one or two hours of not necessarily writing. You know, for me, I'm working on my second collection with Kira Grace. So it's, I'm researching patterns and cuts and like, what is it that's lighting me up that I want to make sure this is a cohesive collection and. Or what, recipe building. Or recipe building. We yeah. want to, we're working on an, a new essay driven cookbook. Together? And, together. together. Oh, are you guys, would you we say you're getting healthier, healthier together? together. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that. And full circle. Yeah. So, you know, and those are the things. And I I taught a class this morning at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, and I love that. And sometimes I think I miss that routine of showing up and having my regular students and teaching. And yet at the same time, I'm like, I'm added. This is a new chapter for me, and I don't want to move backwards. I want to find the things that move me forward that I can draw inspiration from everything that I've learned through my past. But like, what is it that excites me? And it is design and it is cooking and creating and and getting to work together too. Okay. And I know that we're not supposed to ask questions because we're not the interviewers of this podcast, but like, where are you when it comes to how you're feeling about your cookbook and it coming out? How would you describe where you are like mentally and emotionally about it? (laughs) I think I was in, I did this totally offline uh, retreat type thing the week before last week called Onsite. That is amazing. It's like transformative. Did you go somewhere called Onsite? Yeah, it's called Onsite. Oh, it's like a physical location. You went location. off-site to on-site? Off-site to on-site. How many people have made that joke? Um, nobody yet. Oh, good. You're a pure original, yes. Kate. <laughs> um, gosh darn delight. Um, and I think I was feeling very differently about it before then. Um, and I'm feeling 
better about it post then. I think a lot of what I worked, it's sort of like a mental health retreat and you do like group therapy Hmm. for like six days. um, And it's really intense and everybody cries a lot. But a lot of like entrepreneurs and celebrities and I think people who have a lot of, and then a lot of people with like really intense uh, trauma in their past go there and work through that kind of stuff. And a huge thing I'm working on is trying to find self-worth like internally instead of externally. So I think that helped before that, if anything happened with my book, like we did the cookie thing and I thought they undercooked the cookies a lot. They did undercook the cookies. It's very hard when other people cook your recipes and they're not using the ingredients that you would Well, yeah, especially when when it's a key recipe in your cookbook and you want to highlight them. Right. So I I spiraled after that thing a little bit and I was just like, one, Catherine and Kate like invited me to fly to Charleston to do this podcast and they're going to think my cookies are shit. And then oh, all God. these other people are going to think my cookies are shit. But you made them for us before and they were and amazing. They were, right. but, and I actually, I do think the ones you made for us were better, technically speaking, but I still thought the ones at the event were delicious. Well, and then, so Catherine and I did this event for Charleston Food and Wine um, like two days ago. And this woman came up to me at the event and she was like, I saw you at the podcast. I've been making the cook. I've made the cookies like 20 times since. I make them for all my ladies. Aww. I'm going to buy the cookbook for all my ladies. And it's just interesting how even when you, (laughs) (laughs) I think she's like a charming Southern lady. (laughs) Um, She's a, she, and she made my day. Like it it just changed. It's interesting how even something I'd labeled as like, this is the experience was great, but the cookie part of it was like, like felt like a failure and it had been a total success for her. So I think I'm trying to get my head around that that kind of thing universally happens like it none of it is really a success none of it is really a failure and also at the end of the day they're all cookies you mm-hmm. know like that's what we're talking and you about never know who you're affecting i think that's the problem is that we are trained now to getting this instant gratification of people liking things yeah and if we don't get to see that something someone likes what we're putting out into the world we assume they don't like it yeah and yet think of all the people out there that will be affected by your cookbook who will love it that you will never meet you will never see their face you will never hear that they love your cookbook and yet they will open it every single week well and i'm trying to get on board with the fact that even if it like sells 5,000 copies, that's like 5,000 people who are like making my food. Or like with my Instagram, I have like 40 something thousand followers and I look at the like big accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers and I'm like, oh, like I can't wait till I'm that big so I can speak to all these people. But I'm like, I want to write things that people read and right now I have 40,000 people, well, depending on the algorithm on any given day, but like reading my stuff and it's crazy that I'm so dismissive of that because I want a different number. You see bigger numbers. Yeah, Yeah. you see bigger numbers. I mean, one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is like our obsession with scaling in this country. Yeah. Like just, obviously it's like a word for Silicon Valley. Yeah. You can't have a business without being like, well, how can we scale it? And then the companies that are the biggest in this entire country, like Google, they can't really scale anymore. So now they have to buy up other country, uh, other companies, other countries. Well, I mean, basically countries, but other companies and like, and have Google holding ventures to continue to have growth. And I just think that like, we're kind of all caught up in that mindset of like, I have to affect as many people as possible mm-hmm. yeah. instead of just saying like you're with your 40,000 followers, like instead of being like, you know what? Like the equation for my life's happiness to continue to grow this versus just fostering this community here, that trade-off, you know, that there isn't value for me in it. And the same with like, it's like, even if you started a bakery down the street, it's like, 
And someone's like, well, Why can you move not to the next city? To have it be local? Okay, let, let's make sure we get one in Nashville and Atlanta too. And you're like, no, but I just, I love my community. Yeah. And I want to, I want to affect my community here. And like that apparently is like, you're not ambitious and you're, not, but it's like, yeah, that flip. But then I've had to do this personal work too, where, you know, oh, I just want to reach as many people as possible, which sounds so altruistic. It's but really easy reality, to do in wellness, I think. Oh yeah. But yeah. in reality, I want to reach a lot of people because it's my ego. Yeah. And it's not an altruistic thing. So it's, I mean, yes, there are components of it that's like, I want to help people. That's what I do for a living. So that's always there. But it's like, I want to help people, especially if it feeds my ego. And just being really honest with the shadow side of ourselves where it's like, okay, that's not the prettiest part of my personality. And really like digging into that and understanding this is part of who I am. How can I, you can never fully squash it. It's always going to be there. But how can you kind of, you know, carry on size it compact so it's not something that's dominating your daily decisions how do you do that on like a like if you feel like you teach the class this morning and you're like i love having 300 people like excited about me Mm -hmm. and fawning over me maybe i should go but what is the i also love 500 people and it'll be a bigger high yeah actually that's the one place where i don't i don't scale because i prefer to teach 40 people I prefer to teach 20 people. But maybe you could do more or like, you know, like jump back into this yogi side of yourself where Mm -hmm. you got so much validation and you're on the cover of magazines and blah, blah, blah. Like what is the mental conversation when you have the appeal of that dangled in front of you? It's appealing. But again, this is this is where I really figure out what's important to me, because sure, my ego is like, oh, my gosh, there's hundreds of people. Yay. And that's always going to feel good. But I am a teacher and I like to teach people. And when I have hundreds of people, it's very difficult to teach. Then it turns into more of a performance and just trying to herd cats and make sure you keep their attention. When I have 20 people, 40 people, then it's like, I see the whites of their eyes. I might even know everybody's name. And then we get to dissect things together and I get to do what I know I'm really good at and what people actually want from me. And so the fact that that still lights me up makes me feel like I'm still in tune with the kind of things I want to do with my life. Not to say that every now and then it's great to go somewhere and have hundreds of people want to be with me. That's a fantastic feeling. But to me, that's, it's so performative that that's not my real, that's not me fully being a teacher. It's not, it's not me putting on a, just a show either, but it's like, I know what really makes me happy. And when I strip my ego away, I'm like, that's what I want to be. I want to teach. I want to show up. I want to be with these people. So that, that, that's a daily reminder for myself. You back to the altruism thing, because I think I feel like in the wellness world, there's this like top level lie that everyone and not everyone, a lot of people in the wellness world have to tell, which is that everything is driven by trying to put good into the world and trying to like connect people and enrich their lives, which is such like for a lot of people, I think it's bullshit, but nobody like is Mm -hmm. willing to say, um, I am putting out this product because I want to make lots of money and I want to be famous and have influence and power. Like, it's like, you're not allowed to say that. Obviously you're not allowed to say it in most industries. I think in sports, not in like media, but when you're actually playing sports, you're just allowed to be like, I want to be the best. Show me the money. And are you supposed to be like, I, it's the love of the game and say, yeah, yeah. you're supposed to say that too. And like like in acting, you're supposed to be like, I just want to act. And like, it doesn't matter if a million people show up or nobody shows up. But like, it's interesting that you're not, we're supposed to aspire and aspire and aspire for success, but we're not ever supposed to like acknowledge that that's what we're aspiring. Yeah. And we're never supposed to. Especially as women, I think. Yeah. I think there's a whole other level as women. I think there's a lot of things we're not supposed to say like tell the truth about 
you know? What else do you not well, think we're supposed to tell all, the truth All about? of it in this range of like yeah. altruism and yeah. the reasons why you might want money or it's why especially you might bad want in the power world. or why you might want success. Yeah. It's like if I had gone around with my book and been like, I want to make as much money as possible with this book. I want to grow my following with this book. I want my ego to be fed by this book. Like nobody, like everyone would be like, how horrifying, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so instead you have to say, I need this book to re- touch people. Yeah. I need yeah. it to change their lives. And, and which isn't to say that you don't want that. Yeah. That, that is a component. Yeah. I'm not saying want. that like that was right. totally yeah. wrong. I just mean, I've always struggled with like being like, well, how am I supposed to lie and not say like, I have some ego wrapped up in this book. Right. Of course. Like, I wrote this book. Yeah. I want people to think I'm a good writer. Right. Like, I want this to, like, move forward how people view me in my career. Mm-hmm. And if, obviously, simultaneously, you're also connecting face-to-face with people and seeing that they care about the book, that's just amazing, too. But I just feel like, I just, sometimes when people in the wellness world, and every world, are just like, I just want this to affect people. And I'm like, bullshit! You also want to feed your ego. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh. I just shut down when like people won't actually also just talk. Did you through. say that at all in your book tour? Like, yeah. did you say, I want to tell this important because you, I mean, your book was also like a important story, yeah. Yeah. which is nice. Um, but did you ever say like, yeah. I want this? To- well, I, like I, I did a podcast with um, long reads, the, the lo- I'm sorry, long form podcast. And we, we talked all through that. I'm like, look, uh, of course I'm a writer and I want to be seen as talented and I want as many people to read it as possible because then it like gives me cachet in lots of different ways. But I'm like, but I also feel like unlike most books because of this topic, I'm not allowed to even remotely touch that. If you put a piece of fiction out, you know, and it's like Mm. the woman in the mirror or the woman in cabin 10 or the woman (laughs) woman in in the the train or whatever the woman books that are out, (laughs) like you can just straightforward, just be like, you don't have to pretend that this book is going to change people's lives. You can just be like, I'm a fiction author, author. I want, People to read it. I want it to be a movie because I want to be a badass. Yeah. But there's certain pockets, especially wellness, where you're like, it's kind of like off limits to really be honest about. Do you guys think that you've gotten to a place where you need that less from the world, the validation, because you're in such a good relationship with each other? Like, is that part of what gives permission? That we don't need the validation? Yeah, as much from the world. Because I feel like it helps, but I also think we're just getting older and we've had enough experiences and we are craving different experiences in our life. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah, I'm creating different, I crave different feedback. You know, I think you just kind of get more finely tuned as you get older and the frequency of like the feedback of like other people just, I'm seeing that when I get it, I just need more of it. Whereas the feedback of sitting and like, and the high is so fleeting. Yeah. It's so fleeting. But like the, the high of like creating 500 cool, like good words that I'm proud of, like the whole night I'm kind of buzzing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. The high I'm a writer. Liz Moody. Every time you tell me that the leggings that I designed with Kira Grace are your favorite thing and you wear them four times a week, it makes me ecstatically happy. I was nervous by the end of my retreat that like people would start commenting on the fact that I'd been wearing them for six (laughs) days straight. And like, they would be like, do you have multiple pairs? Like, how was your personal hygiene? Yeah, (laughs) they really are amazing. So is designing sort of what gets you off these days? I don't think it's going to be my full blown next career or anything like that, but it's, I love fashion. I love design. I love the artistry in it. It's also just, you know, I've got 15 years under my belt with being in yoga and wellness. And I know a lot about performance and what works and what doesn't. And I've learned a lot about design just from wearing stuff. And so it's 
exciting to take my knowledge on the mat and performance and combine it with fashion. So to find something that people really want to be wearing. I love the challenge of that. Yeah, your fashion sense is like insane. Oh, it's on point. It's insane. I yeah. look at what you, I've said this a million times, but like, I wish you would just like quit your career and uh, dress me <laughs> oh my like, gosh, for free, so like <laughs> completely for free. Just make me look cute every day. I don't know where you buy your stuff. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears for a second and talk about your guys' relationship because to me, you guys are like so couple goalsy. <laughs> and you always know. I mean, every time I hang out with you, you guys are like, touching each other and just like so lovey-dovey and on your podcast you like affirm each other every time the other person does something well and you just have a lot of components that I look at and I'm like oh that's like a healthy good relationship so were you guys like that from the get-go or did you have to do work to become well it's not like we fight in public you know I mean I think that's the problem with anyone looking at another relationship and thinking it's goals is like you're seeing the best of them. Not to say, I mean, people obviously do fight in public, but... Sometimes it can't be helped. Yeah, it, it does happen. You're just so mad. Yeah. yeah. Zach gets really mad at me because I, I tend to be like the loud one when we fight in public and he's always just like, keep it like, down. Let's all pretend like nobody can tell we're fighting yeah. in public. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the overall takeaway is, yes, it turns out if you are as lucky as we are to... I mean, we've, we talk about it all the time. Like, we don't think we're normal that we got to find each other. Yeah. Like, it's... Can you tell us briefly, like, the story of how you found each other? Like, a little love story? When I used to work for ESPN, they used to put on a yearly summit in California called the ESPNW Women in Sports Summit. Do you hear our voice changed? It's like I'm a narrator now. <laughs> no, it's like the soft voice. And um, Under Armour sponsored the event for two years, and Catherine was sponsored by Under Armour. So Under Armour would bring its athletes to the summit to teach and so she was teaching at the summit while i was i had to moderate a lot of panels and look i did get you totally so we met met there we met there probably four years ago now but we didn't really connect a ton although we met briefly and i got married a week after i met her the first time wow to a man not to me yeah no that'd be really romantic if you guys had just gotten married a week after you met us we're great but you liked like friendly you liked each other did you like think each other was super cute Oh, the first time we met? Yeah. Oh, the first time? Um, it was so fleeting. I yeah. mean, I remember, I was like, wow, she's really striking. And you just, you don't forget, Kate. You're both sort of like magnetic people. Um, and I feel like it's interesting when you get to, I also, I, I have questions about that too, to have like two of the stars in one relationship, I think is really interesting. Um, but to finish your love story first. Well, and then we saw each other twice before the following i mean the thing that's i i especially meet a ton of people with my work and so and i forget people easily it's just it's not a quality that i possess i feel bad about it but um i was just doing an event in new york that she came to as press oh i wasn't press i I thought you were there oh you were just there just kidding trying to make you sound fancy because i would think that would be less i thought you were there for espn press is like schlumpy people eating the food or maybe you know like we want everyone involved in press listening to this podcast (laughs) kate sends her apologies no i feel sports media no i I feel fancier when i'm invited to something as like talent than invited as press because press you're there to cover talent and talent you're there because you're like star yourself yeah but anyway so she i did go straight up to her and i was like i know you why do i know you how do i know you i was like i don't know i know (laughs) wait did you remember her we figured it out yeah i mean i you're like random like, another blonde cool random chick no, no okay. i definitely was like 
do we know each other from, I knew a little bit because you were on the panel and like you were yoga and Under Armour. And I was like, oh, I think that she taught yoga at the summit. So, Mm. and I'm better about remembering faces, even if I'm not great about remembering names. So, but she left before the event was over. So we didn't get to hang out or talk. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is what I always say about Catherine and then meeting, seeing her then and then seeing her, it was probably six months later at the next year's ESPNW summit. It was like, and that's when we started talking a little bit more is that I thought she was super straight, you know? So <laughs> I just, do you like just make assumptions about people when you meet that them? That sounds horrible. Don't no, 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 no. But like, I think we all don't we? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean like, I think I have a pretty good, you know, but are you ever like, she's presenting as super straight, but like I could get her. That's proper verbiage. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, she was, well I was like, she's presenting as super straight, but like I could tell a little bit that, I mean, she clearly was kind of trying to hit on me a little bit, but at the same time, don't you think? Yes. Oh, okay. I was definitely hitting on you. But at the same time, I wasn't really interested in like super straight being girl. the straight girl's fantasy. Of, yeah. Like yeah. I just, I'm not good at that thing. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very good at like, she likes some hella gay. No, that's not true. You like like that's a normal a relationship. It's a, yeah, like yeah. I'm not allowed to make jokes. No, you, I didn't know it was a joke. I thought you really genuinely thought that that My sarcasm <laughs> is on point. Wait, so were so then on your side, She's, you were flirting with Kate. Yes. And were you like, was this the first time you'd flirted with a woman? No. No. She had, she had, she'd hooked up with women before. You'd hooked up with women. So this wasn't like... Surprising to never you been that in you a, would feel this way. About no, women. attraction to women, not a surprise. I'd never been in a romantic relationship with a woman before. And was it just you hadn't met the right person? Or was there a reason for that beyond that? I just, no offense to any woman that I've hooked up with listening to this podcast. Wow, I have to really preface a lot of stuff. Um, no, I just never wanted to be with yeah. any of them. You know, I, I cared for them and I we physically had fun together, but it wasn't like... Oh, she didn't want to go to brunch with them. The I didn't want to go to brunch with them. <laughs> so did you guys like... i kick him out. After, you know, hook up at that no, summit thing? No, no, no. No, no. no. I mean, because remember, she was married. It was supposed to be a very innocent flirtation. You just wanted to flirt a little. Yeah. Because you're like, she's hot. She was super hot. Yeah. Everyone was trying to flirt with Kate. I won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we stayed in touch and it gets messy because... My marriage was doomed before we even got married. There was a lot of issues there. But uh, my marriage was falling apart. We started texting each other every day. And it was like this, it was actually really romantic because it was like wooing each other through words, through text messaging. It used to be letters, but still. We were on our A game. We were funny. We were very witty Mm -hmm. and trying to banter with each other. And yeah, and then everything blew up and it was chaos. And we found each other when the dust settled. Pretty much. I know I'm skipping some juicy details, but it just yeah, gets I mean, like there was dirty a and gross. Bit more drama on that, but yeah, gotta leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> were you nervous to tell people that you were in a relationship with a woman because it was your first time you were being in a full blown relationship? Uh, with a woman? This is the thing I love about Catherine. No, I it was like whatever. No, I, I think I was nervous to tell my parents simply because they had just paid for my wedding, <laughs> and, and I, I knew my dad was gonna be like. What the fuck? But I was more nervous because I had had a background where, like, I 
come out when things were very different, you know, like 15 yeah. years ago. How old were you when you came out? Um, it, it was like 21. Okay. You know, so it was like 2003, 2004. Very different world. Yeah. Just a different world. And like, there was a lot of rejection. And so I kind of hardened to a lot of aspects of people that I, I'm trying to break down, like religion, right? And like the South and older people. Like yeah. there were lots of things where it was like this triumvirate that I saw on Catherine's parents. I'm like, oh my God, she's, cause her parents are. Are you, are they religious? Mm. No. I mean, no, I, I grew Catholic, up going but... to Catholic school, but yeah. I mean, they're Catholics. Okay. Yeah. But it was like. <laughs> and they live in this, they live in Charleston yes. too, right? Yeah. yeah. And she's like an oops baby. So, you know, they're a little bit older. <laughs> yeah. How old were they when they had you? My mom was 39 when she had me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they were mid seventies. Yeah. Mid seventies white folks living in Charleston, South Carolina. You know, and I'm like, oh my god. You know, this is my nightmare of parent situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what were they like? They were the best. <laughs> oh my god. They were did like, they had, did they already know Kate? No, no. Well, it helped that her dad is a sports fan. Yeah, and like he, you know, he's he, well, the he loves of the educated American humans. League. Yeah, I mean, Kate was. I went to a state school, and he had yo, he was a chancellor of a state for school, him. so he was uh, really about that. I mean, the the funny thing is with my mom, you know, I told her about Kate and I sensed for a while there was resistance around it. And I got all fired up one time and I was just like, look, if you're not okay with me being with a woman, then you just need to tell me. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm totally cool with you being with a woman. I just don't understand the sex part. (laughs) Do people ask you guys about that? Like, especially you coming from a straight, because like, I think there is a tendency even I had the thought to be like what's the difference between being in a relationship with a woman versus a man but it's like really what's the difference in being in a relationship with Kate versus the last person the last yeah. person like every relationship is so so different, different. yes um but do you get asked that like a lot um, maybe a little bit in the I beginning mean, I, think that- I thought you guys were going to cover that in your sex episode of your mm. podcast oh like, really I guess I, I'm like is it confusing to people I think it's confusing to people because well, if you straight people sex with, define right. sex as penetration. Sure. Like well, even a, with the whole um, very rape conversations that happen, like uh, there's a tendency for a certain group of people to be like, like I've had friends who were sexually assaulted and they felt bad about being traumatized because there was no penetration and they're like, oh, I wasn't right. really raped. Right. right. And yeah. I think in a lot of people's minds, sex equals penetration, period. That's yeah. kind of what you're traditionally That's what you're taught, raised. yeah. And yeah. you're taught that like oral sex is like a workaround. You can keep your virginity if right, you just- Right, because you can have like, oral yeah. sex, but you still haven't had sex yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sex? Is that a workaround? I think it's totally mm-hmm. a workaround. So you can, you can also keep your virginity? Yeah, I think you're, I would- I'm, It's like until the hymen breaks, it, you're a virgin? Yeah, so when you ride horseback when you're 10, What about you're just like, the tip? I mean, Just for a second, just to see how it feels. Yeah, this is a question that like a lot of- my you know gay friends will have is like well how many people have you slept with and it's like what are your definitions yeah exactly right you're like well what if you know like penetration is different right like what is oral sex or like like? when you guys were saying on your podcast you were talking about the amount of times a month that you had sex Mm -hmm. right like is does that count anything sexual no no it counts like i think not like kissing we probably like how many times we have an orgasm, right? Like that yeah, has to be the okay. definition. That's actually a pretty good definition. That's actually for sex. a really nice definition because it orgasm? assumes yeah. that you do achieve orgasm, which I think there's a lot of sexual relationships where that's not they even. They could go a year um, without yeah. achieving that. Yeah. yeah. And it's but almost nice. trying. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. 
Um, so, but no, that, that question to me is like an old, like I've always thought of it as like, I think my mom asked it like 15 years ago and then your mom asked it. And I have always felt like, and you can't fault people for asking if they have zero experience with it. You know, it's, I think sometimes I would get a little bit like, it's not different. Why are you asking me? But at the same time, I'm like, people are curious and I'm okay with people being curious as long as questions are asked thoughtfully and answers are given thoughtfully. You're listening to the healthier together podcast. Okay, I want to take a brief, brief break to introduce you guys to a new sponsor who I am so, 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 so excited about. It is one of my favorite food products in the world. I love them so much. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably already guessed who it is because I post about them literally all the time. It is Siete Foods. They are Mexican-American healthy food brand that makes some of the best, most delicious food that I have ever had in my life. I grew up in California and Arizona. So I grew up obsessed with quesadillas and tacos and enchiladas and all of that. And when you start trying to eat better, it can be tricky to incorporate those types of foods into your life. And then, and then finally, Siete came along and they truly changed the game. First of all, they're a family-owned brand and they're like the sweetest, sweetest family. They're Whenever I talk to people at the company, it's like real people and they remember real things about my life and they're so, I don't know, you just get the feeling that they're always like making delicious food and then heading out on a magical picnic where they're all like hugging each other and trying to bring healthy food to the world. It just, it feels like genuinely good people with a genuinely good brand. And then beyond that, their food is insane. I have never had a Siete product that I don't like. They're all kind of game changers in their category, but there are a few that have like a special, special place in my heart and in my kitchen. And those are the tortillas and the hot sauces. The tortillas, they have a couple different varieties. They're all completely grain-free. They're super clean ingredients. I love reading the ingredient lists of Siete products because they're like four or five ingredients and you know each one of them and you can understand all of them, which is great. Um, So they have a few different grain-free tortillas. I keep them in my freezer and I take out one tortilla at a time or however many I need at that specific time so that I, they never go bad and I always have a big stash on hand. So I love the cassava tortilla, which has a little bit more of, of a chew to it. And I love to use that one for quesadillas. I love it for enchiladas. It doesn't break apart when you roll it. You can kind of warm it up a little bit and then you can roll it and make something like an enchilada and it won't get that like icky break that ruins everything. So I love the cassava one for that. And then there's also an almond flour one that has a little bit less chew than the cassava, but it also has a very nice texture and a little bit of a sweeter, nuttier flavor. So I love that one too. And then finally, I'd say the cashew is also really, really up there for me. That one has a little bit of a sweeter, more nutty flavor. I would do that with something like a, this is going to like make me sound like a child, but like a almond butter and jelly roll up that you would make and cut into like a little log. Did anybody else do that when they were a kid? That was one of my favorite snacks. So I would do that with the cashew flour. Or if I was making maybe something with um, a breakfast, a breakfast type treat, I would use the cashew tortillas for that. I love them, love them, love them. I use them at least four or five times a week in my kitchen. Um, And then some other products that I like that they make, they make their incredible hot sauces, which are honestly very different than any other hot sauces that I've had before. They're a little bit creamier and, and they have a little bit more of 
a weight and a heft to them. They're like thicker and richer than a lot of more watery vinegary hot sauces that I've had. My favorite one is the habanero, which is the orange one, which has an incredible ingredient list. It is like, I'm just going to read it to you guys because it honestly impresses me so much. It's like water and apple cider vinegar and avocado oil, but then there's like golden beets in it and carrots and flax seeds. And I'm just like, what is happening? And then garlic and habanero and chia seeds and turmeric. And I'm just like, this is incredible. It's such a good hot sauce. It's not too spicy. None of their hot sauces are crazy. Like I'm dying. I can't breathe spicy, but they're all I'd say they're more flavorful. And I really like that because when you're cooking, you don't want to just be bombarded with heat. You want to add delicious flavors to your food. So they are sponsoring this podcast, although I honestly feel like they don't need to because I'm just talking about how much I love them and I would do that for hours anyways. You can find all of their delicious foods on their website, which is www.sietefoods.com. And you can use the code Liz, which is my name. It's three letters, L-I-Z, and you can get 10% off of your order. So you can try everything that you want on there for a little bit cheaper. Definitely recommend the cassava tortillas and definitely recommend the habanero hot sauce. So that's what I would start with if I were you. And then the cheesy dips, the dairy-free cheese dips you guys can find in a store near you. Those are not available online yet, but they are definitely worth checking out. And I think they will be available online very soon. So that is our sponsor for today. I love them. Definitely go to www.sietefoods.com. Use the code Liz to check out some yummy products. If you have any questions about any of their products or need like, what does the green hot sauce taste like? Message me on Instagram at Liz Moody, and I will talk to you for hours about Siete. I love them so much. All right, let's get back to the episode. I have a few questions that I like to ask everybody that um, I'd love to ask you guys. What is a purchase that you've made that's made your life healthier or happier? Something you've bought. Oh, Jesus. So you go first. Two things that okay. I always like to talk about. No. Remember, I, I, this is the rapid fire round. No, it's not. <laughs> no. You can, I, it, my, nothing I do is rapid fire. <laughs> she no. bought a Peloton. Yeah, but like that's ridiculous because it's like... No, but it has legit no, made you. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you. it's like, it's not very accessible. Speak your truth, Kate. <laughs> We're talking about you, not the people. Yeah, this um, is you. What's made your life healthier, happier? That my Peloton has made my life healthier. Okay, so what is a Peloton for people who don't know what that is? Because, you know, it's very inaccessible. <laughs> it's just a home, <laughs> it's a home bike where you stream classes that okay. are being, um, spin classes, spin classes. And is it like bananas expensive? I mean, the bike itself is expensive. Like, yeah. The monthly fee is not expensive. Okay. But, like, to actually get the bike is expensive. Did it take you a while to decide that, like, it was worth it to make the plunge? Or yeah. were you just like, eh? It was injury-driven because, like, I, oh, like I, I was a huge runner for a long time. And I just can't really – my body just can't do that anymore. And I wanted that same sort of cardio high. And so I would do some spin classes, but – I didn't want to be a slave. This is so like, privileged, but I didn't want to be a slave to like the in-class schedule because it's like sometimes they only have 9 a.m. and then 5 p.m. And what if I want to work out at, you know, 2 p.m.? Anyway. But it's also like, it's funny that you're even, I don't know, you have money. You like, can why am I spend, apologetic Yeah, like why this? are you apologetic about this? It's interesting, especially with this idea of like being everything to all people or something, you know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. why, why can't you just like buy your fucking spin bike and enjoy the shit out of your spin bike because you have oh. the money to buy your spin bike? Yeah. And be like, yo, I bought my spin bike. I'm sorry if you can't afford a spin bike. Like, It's my life. This is more of a, a larger conversation. I mean, for example, when I was at South by Southwest yesterday, 
I was wearing this new sweater that I got and it's from this designer called Sakai and it's an expensive sweater. And this Mm -hmm. woman stopped me and was like, that is the greatest sweater I've ever seen. And of course, at first I'm like, great. And then she's like, where can I get it? And I'm like, fuck. Because it's uncomfortable because it is expensive. And you're like, I can't, you can't get it. Well, no, I'm not going to assume that she can't, but like. I just, but you don't want to insult them when, you know, they're, they're, it's like, it's not from Target. It's not an accessible place. I have this like Irish Catholic background thing going on, you know, where I have, you know, we, we have worked hard and we have resources and yet I have a lot of insecurity about what things cost and what I spend my money on. Do you guys have different approaches to money? Like. I'm more fear-based than Kate is. Like I fear that you won't have more. I, I have this fear that I'm going to run out of money and it's all going to go away, which I definitely inherited from my father. And, and I have a very... And Kate's more like, we're, we're alive. We, you can't spend it when you're dead. Like, which yeah. is good for me. Be, it, well, it's, it's not really good because when she totally convinces me, I'm like, all right, I'll be back. I'm going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> but like my, my dad, um, he's a financial advisor and he just has seen so many people who come into his office, you know, at age 60 and they are like, well, I want to like, we want to save up for this thing that we might do. And then they die, you know? And he's seen this on repeat cycle, this idea of like money being this thing that you use later. And then to a T, you know, whoever's like the spouse or whatever is like, we should have spent our money while we had it. Mm-hmm. And you should especially spend your money when you're young. And you can like, yeah, my dad is it. financially stable. He just like sold a building that he inherited that's been like the bane of his existence. So he's literally financially stable right now this month for the first time in 14 years. Oh, wow. yeah. And it's great, but it's also like he's now in his late 60s and 14 years ago he wasn't. And it, he's doing all this stuff now and he still yeah. can, but... I think it's scary to be, you know, while, while your body's young, you should be sailing yeah. and hiking and doing right. all that kind and of so stuff. Yeah. Obviously, there's a balance there between like, you know, having being fiscally responsible to some degree. But like, I am very much of the mindset that like, I don't know if I have 10 more years on the planet, who knows, maybe that's a generous amount. Like I want to make sure that I'm not like this 25 grand is for 20 years from now. I'm like, does money, how much does money drive your guys's? I mean, we talked about how much success and like uh, outside affirmation drives your guys's decisions, but how much does like a show, if you got a show on ASPN, I imagine that's quite lucrative. Yeah. And you said you didn't want that or, um, you could be Catherine probably making a ton of money. If you just double down and you're like, I'm a yogi, I'm going to, Oh, if I start traveling once a week again, I could still have major money. Well, again, we're really lucky that the amount of money that we're making with the things that we do right now, like we can live an excellent life. You know, could we be making more money? Of course we could. But like the success thing, like I think a lot of money is one of those things where you have a little bit and then you want more and then Mm -hmm. you want more and then you want more. Yeah, I think we've done a good job of balancing that, you know, And, and this is also the first time in my life that I've ever been in a relationship with someone who is as successful and financially successful as I am. So we finally get to share that. And if I want to travel a little bit less, you know, Kate might take a few more speaking gigs or if she needs to take a break, like I can take a few more gigs and cause it's all going into the same pot. Do you guys share money? Yes. I mean, well, we, I mean, we have we, our own accounts, yeah, but, but you know, I mean, it's all going to the same stuff. We don't split dinner when we go out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
But I mean, I think to to your point, you know, I think as you get older, you start to see the time exchange in money too. Yes, that's a very valid point. So I think for us now, it's like the time exchange, let's say, you know, it's like, do we want an extra 80 grand next year? All right, Catherine, you have to do you know, 20 workshops well, or should whatever. I, should I do the example that the South by Southwest thing? Well, whatever oh, yeah, no, specific example going, is yeah. like with that $80,000, like the time commitment means that like, I'm, you're going to be gone every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And what, what is our, how is our life going to be improved by that 80 grand? Right. So like literally looking at it as an, like would being together every other weekend yeah, be an worth more yes, than right. whatever TK thing we could do with 80 Yeah. Grand. And I think yeah. there's a, a, there's definitely a diminishing returns when it comes to certain things. It's like once you, you know, it's like if we each make a hundred grand next year, then it's like, we can pretty much do anything we want. You know, we're lucky enough. We live in Charleston. So like, that's a lot more money right, the here than living it would be in New York. Here. And yeah. then like after that, it's like, do I want to not see you every other weekend so that we could buy a first class ticket. Yeah. yeah. Like that's not an exchange I'm willing to make. Mm. So it's like, I think that to me is like, once you hit a certain age some, and my dad is like hammered this home to me too. He's like anything, I will pay any amount of money if the time exchange is there. You know, if that ratio is right. Like when I was 25, I wouldn't have paid the $75 fee to stand by for a three hour earlier f- flight. Because it was like that $75 when you're 25 like that's more important because you're 25 and you think you have forever <laughs> in right. your life. But then now I'm like, I will pay $100 to get home three hours earlier. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, that's $30 that's an hour. That. I would pay that to spend that time with Catherine. So I think all, I mean, I think every human kind of goes through those equation changes as they get older. And I think that's kind of where we're at now with money. It's like, I don't necessarily need more money if that time equation is off. I also think, I mean, money's has so much entangled. Like I, for my anxiety stuff, I always feel like the more money I have, the more I can like buy my comfort, which is like a, a medicator I use for my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, if like I'm in a hotel room that's noisy and I can't sleep, I can change mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about that. Or like if I'm uh, in a foreign country and the buses are crazy, I can like pay for a private car to sure. go somewhere or something like that. So I want money because it makes me feel safe, mm-hmm. I think. It helps your mental health to it, a certain extent. Yeah, but it's yeah. not, that also gets me away from having to work on my mental health. Mm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's a complicated equation because it's like, I need money to buy time, you know? Right. Because right. it's like, like I had, you know, if you have a flight and it's at 8 p.m. and then the day of, you can actually fly out at 10 a.m. and you're like, should I buy a new flight? Right. You know, it's like, so to have that money buys I'm very lucky time. to have these choices. Well, yeah. So it's like, you need some amount of money to buy the time, you know? So it's like, you kind of have to replenish one to then replenish the other. Um, and so that's kind of, I think that we view it more than like, buy a nicer house, house. We don't need, we a, don't big need house. a bigger house. Yeah, like there's a lot of things where we're like, no, we don't need that because the time it's going to take us to like pay off what that is, it's going to affect our quality of life. Yeah, I love that. What's the second thing that you bought that made you happy? Oh, I just love oat milk so much. The, <laughs> the thing that we Carling found a high low situations of oat milk. I mean, I'm honestly this oat milk no. to last us through the oh apocalypse. See, I've got it up there. Oh the people God. probably can't hear you. No, anymore, no, baby. I'm seeing she's she's showing me like 12 containers of oat and milk. And this scarce, okay? It's oatly. oatly. If anybody wants to sponsor Kate, do not break into life. our house. I was gonna say we're gonna get <laughs> robbed. Of my oat milk. And there's another 25 in there. Oh, you need to of stop. Oatly. You need to stop. Yes, we're gonna sorry. get robbed. Do you get nervous about running out of oat milk? Yes. Do you have like a well, scarcity mindset around well, oat milk? There is a scarcity. 
so more it's brands not a have now reality. released Those oat milk. Those are trash. Okay. <laughs> oh God. Oakley is, is the best oat milk. I mean, honestly, I don't work for them, but like I, I forever, I couldn't get off dairy. Whole milk on my. It's like, true. She coffee. was a whole milk addict. As a quick side note, how do you Sorry. guys eat? Like, are you, how healthy are you? Like, what do you eat? Well, we do go through pretty intense pizza kicks. Okay. But we eat really fancy. I mean, we're in Charleston. We get to go have like gorgeous Neapolitan, you know, imported double zero flour pizza here. Yeah. So. But uh, like, the, do you not eat dairy, Kate? No, she eats dairy. We both dabble in dairy. Okay. We both dabble in a lot of things. But I would say we're very, we try to eat minimal gluten, minimal grain, minimal dairy, minimal animal product. But then sometimes we'll go out and have burgers. We don't like, I particularly do not like strict parameters. I like, I like And she loves them. Like I would. Yeah, you were, today you were like, I think I need to do the whole 30. Yeah, and like, I was I like, like, don't do it. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think like we don't buy ice cream and chips and like, and that's not, we don't have snack food. We just, we love really foody dinners, which, yeah. you know, you, you understand. It's like most of the time those aren't all that healthy when you're going out. That's where we Our indulge. indulgence is going out but to But like we're not, you know, it's not like we're going to pop open any, like we just don't have snacks around. And are you, you, you guys don't have like personal health challenges that you're trying to like use food or lifestyle to overcome, are you? I have really bad sinuses. Okay. So I, I'm, we're, we're doing like a little cleanse now where we're cutting a bunch of stuff out. And I am going to be curious to see once I'm very strict about my dairy and gluten intake, if it gets better. clear up my sinuses a little bit. Because that's been my biggest problem my entire life. It's, I was a C-section baby, plus I was formula. Me too. And I wasn't swabbed. I didn't get any microbiomes. I know. I was just like, Dad, you guys could have swabbed me, and you also could have raised me speaking another language. And yeah. kind of really <laughs> dropped the ball on all yeah, of those all things. <laughs> I can't wait till our kid thinks that everything is all for all too. Wait, uh, so what have you uh, bought, Catherine? To make your wellness world better. No, her, he- her life healthier, happier, not her wellness world better. Do you know what I bought somebody that's made my life happier and healthier? Your peppermint halo oil? I love my essential oils. Okay. I'm an essential oil junkie. That is the one thing that I don't find trendy or kitschy in the wellness world. I legit, if I have my oil, I immediately feel better. What do you use it for? Uh, it depends on the oil. Like peppermint is my... Peppermint is the best. It, it, it fixes everything. I use it for headaches. I like rub it on my temples for headaches, headaches digestion, nausea when you're in like the back of a cab or you're landing you just on a plane. Smell it or do yeah, you actually smell it? I put or I put it in my tongue and then take a couple deep inhales. I put a little right here below my nose so that I'm smelling it for a while if I'm like on a plane and I get really motion sick. Mm. Yeah. So peppermint's legit, and I'm like I would be the least likely. Do you person know? I don't think you can into. use peppermint oil when you're pregnant. Bullshit. I know. Well, you'll be pregnant, not me, so I can keep using mine. Selfish. Catherine's getting pregnant first, yeah? Well, I don't know. We're, I am That's going gonna to try, try first. Yeah. Yes. And you guys found a, a sexy, rich, smart sperm donor? Um, I don't know about rich. <laughs> I don't know about all Korean. the adjectives. He's Korean? Yeah. So you're going to have a little Korean baby? A little half Korean baby. Oh, my gosh. My niece and nephew really were both cute. Korean, and we thought it would just be a nice way to connect the family even more. That's really cute. Yeah. That's really cute. Okay, so you have essential oils as well. Wait, your... so what's the one thing that's made your life better? You want me to essential guess? Essential oils. Yeah, I guess. You guess. No, that wasn't oh, the right guess. It's, oh, she that's, been, that's been around oh, for a I long time. Oh, I wasn't sure if you had like something in your mind. 
Or no, I do the I, thing that you've been rubbing on your sinuses. Oh, I've been doing a lot of gua sha lately. <laughs> I love got, gua sha. I could run through a list of like <laughs> little things that she does that I think have been improving her life. Like, oh yeah, no, let's hear the Kate Fagan top five things that Catherine does that yeah, improves her life. Um, and then I don't have to talk. I love it. <laughs> your beauty chocolates. Oh, Sakara. my Sakara beauty chocolates. Okay, the college they have college. I, I, I have right? my yeah the Sakara probiotic chocolates and the beauty chocolates. I love. Okay. So I still haven't hit it yet. No, you're well, I don't doing have, the top you're not, five. There's not, you're not going to win because I don't know what it is. I just want to know what you're, you're just thinking. doing. Oh, the top five things yeah. that have improved Catherine Budig's life. Yeah, keep um, going, keep going. The under eye masks that you put on on the on the plane, the little tiny gels that uh-huh. help your. What brand is that? Honest Hazel. Honest Hazel under eye masks. Mm-hmm. It's cactus collagen. Cactus collagen. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't appear to have under eye bags oh, at all. Bless so you. bless oh. you. This is her number. I think this is like your number. That's one. like one of my number one. Me too. I actually have a thing that I think uh, celebrities look good in photos because they don't appear to have under eye bags. I think yes. that, like it makes you look. It's all I see when I see photos of like myself. done versus not done. If you yeah. have under chin eye up bags, when you get photographed, not. never chin down. Oh, oh. yeah. Why well, do you do that anyways? Because my double chin's like my insecurity for photos. It oh. kills me. Well, yeah, chin up. I'm telling yeah. you, because then the light hits yeah. in a good way. Mm-hmm. All <laughs> um, right. The the brush that you use before you get in the shower, dry you brush it toward your heart, to- and it's all coming heart. back to my sinuses, basically <laughs> toward your heart. Yes. Okay. And I've tried to use it. Like I get out of the shower, I'm like, oh, I'll do that. She's like, no, you have to use it before you get in the shower. <laughs> you like, missed the boat, Kate. <laughs> what, you I'm missed like, your whatever. opportunity. Okay. Do you know Tom Brady uses that thing. Tom, Tom, well, Tom, I mean, Brady have you seen it. his wellness routine? It's in, intense. Yeah, okay. It's very. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He does a lot of stuff yeah. and doesn't eat a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. yeah. He's scared of nightshades. Yeah, he is scared of um. nightshades. He's terrified <laughs> of them. He has like nightmares um, about them. There are magnesium chews. Juice? Mm, chews. No, I haven't really been using those for a while. You still really like the magnesium chews. Yeah. I think you have two left. No, I, I've done a lot. If we started a no, you oil. failed at the magnesium chew. Oh, one, oh, that's not a thing. That doesn't right? count. And you've you... only named wellnessy stuff. I thought that's what, oh, healthier or happier. Healthier or happier. What's made her happiest, Kate? Oh, what has she I bought that's made her super happy? I know. Listen, she's all like, my wife is a yoga teacher, and I'm going to talk like it. <laughs> no, I'm going to name all the things that we do <laughs> that you do, and then that I watch happen. Catherine has a yoga mat. Healthy and happy. I'd love happy. What do you? What does she do that makes her really happy? What does she bought that makes her really happy? I think clothes make you really happy, like fashion stuff. We were just in Paris, and Kate bought me a truly stunning dress that I never would have bought for myself from one of our favorite designers, and it made me very happy because I've been stocking it for months. And it's kind of like visiting a museum and being like, huh. And she just, I tried it on when we were in Paris, and she's like, I'll buy it for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I'll just let me buy it for you. And I was like, okay. And I love it, and I treasure it. Is it like a, do you need like a special occasion type dress? No, that's no. the great thing about it's it. It's like an average, you can just I wear it. I mean, I could wear it really fancy or I could dress it down. Mm. And I love that. I love the versatility. You love Outlander. I, and I do. Outlander, so a TV subscription. Netflix brings me, makes me happy. Yeah, am I missing anything? Is well. there something that's like on your mind? that The last person I interviewed said her vibrator. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is she using it to masturbate? Yes. <laughs> wow. Hey, I thought, you know, like we have that thing that one we just got the one. gun. Yeah, but I think vibrator, I, I wouldn't call our massage gun a vibrator. Ooh, a massage like gun? What's below that? Below my clit off. Um, well, you wouldn't use it down there, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> it's just a, it's a, uh, it's actual gun and, and it, it goes, it mimics a massage, but you can just kind of like, it's oh, like a button, cool. deep tissue. It's yeah. a hypervolt. Oh, your furbo. Oh my God, yes. 
that Wait, makes you super oh happy. Oh my god, that does. Okay, we just got a furbo. Good work. What is that? Um, it's over there. It's a thing that looks like a vase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this white kind of. It looks like if a vase and an essential oil machine had a baby, or like a vase and a coffee maker. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called a furbo. So the little hole in the bottom of it is where you can shoot dog cookies out, and then above it has a camera. And I have an app, so when we're gone, I can turn on the Furbo and see what's happening. There's a microphone that I can hit and be like, get the hell off of the sofa, Kiona. And then I can push Does the cookie button. And when you're not there? We've actually we've tried If you that turn yet. that thing on and you say something, they both oh, yeah. get up. And they come over. And I can push the cookie button and it has a recorded, my voice recorded being like, who wants a cookie? Oh my and God. And it shoots a cookie out. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So when we were last gone... And after we had gotten this, is like Catherine just like every time I looked over, she'd be like, just proof of life, right? Like, where are the puppies? Can we see them? Um, yeah, we she always doesn't understand where the cookies come from yet. Her brain is normally very. No, she's big. actually really smart because when she hears my voice, she goes to the window or the door, thinking that you know Aww. machines haven't taken over the world yet, and that we're gonna walk through the door. That's very sweet. I think so. That's very she sweet. understands that that machine is where the cookies come from. But Ashi's a purist. She's experiencing digital minimalism. Yeah, that's right. She's like I'll she's bringing wants, it back around. She wants human connection. <laughs> she doesn't want to be talked through. I don't want this bullshit machine cookie. Yeah. What's one really big mistake you've made in your life and what's something you got right? I mean, mistakes are a curious statement, right? Because I don't know if I really think anything's a mistake. That's part of the question. I know. Because yeah. I was about to say my first marriage, but then if I hadn't done that, I don't think I would be here right now with Kate. Really? Butterfly Absolutely. Effect. Yeah. I just, but also the lessons that I learned through that experience prepared me to want real love and real connection. And I needed that. I would never want to go through that relationship again. But so it's like a big mistake yeah. in air quotations, but it's also, it's what I needed. It, it was integral to my experience. I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, this sounds so like, <laughs> I'm blaming mistakes, but I really don't. I don't know. Maybe you just need to evolve more with stuff to really feel like that. But I have definite like things that I like wish I did different in my life. And I'm like, my life would be better off now if I hadn't done that. And maybe like it's when like I think the events that led to my like very extreme anxiety period is like something that I like I beat myself up for all of the time. And maybe Which I'm sure is helping your anxiety. And you've probably <laughs> talked through that before, right? Uh, on this podcast, like people know what you're no, talking about. No, I don't think so. Um, but it was just basically I, I moved to London and I quit my job and I was writing a book. So I completely isolated myself. So I like didn't interact with people all day. Like Zach would go to his graduate program and then he'd come home at like midnight and I would have written all day and mm. not talked to anybody. Um, and I, I think if I'd literally just like gone and gotten a job and formed a community in London, I would have had such a different experience. And maybe when I'm more like evolved, I'll be like, I'm so grateful for this like period of extreme anxiety because it taught me so much about myself. But right now I'm like, that sucked. Like I wish Mm -hmm. I hadn't felt like that. But I feel like some of that is kind of outside of your control. I mean, there's plenty of parts of my life when I look back and I'm like, that was, I was miserable and this was so hard and I wouldn't want to live through them again. But it's also just kind of the path that my life was taking me through. 
And, you know, sometimes you're in the flow of the river and sometimes you're stuck in the bank and sometimes mm. you're like straight up, like not even close to the mud. You're just like sitting on the dry part, fully clothed. We're just really going with that metaphor, like all the way through. Which, But I really yeah, think I it like feels it. like we don't we don't live in a world that like is like it's cool when you're on the banks of the mud. Right, when because you're, you're always <laughs> supposed to be in the flow, man. Yeah, you you're always to be in the flow. To, yeah, and, we're, and we put that part really it's up like on. We a, all want to. Like, yeah. it doesn't come with an instructional manual. You know, we all want to be happy. We all want to be in the flow. We all want to be content, and we're all striving for it. But you do have to spend those big chunks of time stuck on the bank in order to muck your way back to the muck, and then eventually, hopefully, you find a freaking floaty and get going. That's Damn. great. That really was a really. A, a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. Was, you can just float down the river. A swan. Yeah, okay, so like what's something you really got right, Catherine? You Aww. can't both say oh, each so other. Cute. I'm not going to say each other. You can't both say each other. Ashi. No, I mean, the corny answer for sure is my wife. And it's not corny, it's true. But um, I think the one thing that I've finally gotten right is I've started to listen to that voice inside of me that's wanted to change for a really long time with my career. And I've just been fearful of change. And I've just finally reached a point where I'm like, I know I've wanted to change for years. What am I waiting for? And it's hard because I mean, I, I have moments of like, I'm going to be forgotten. I'm going to be left behind. You know, I've carved out this career and I'm just blowing it up. But it's also like, I haven't been content with it for a long time. And I'm finally just like, fuck it. It's time to change. And I'm probably going to, I already have lost a lot of people along the way that were, you know, readers, followers, fans, students, whatever you want to call them. And it's just part of the shedding of the skin and reforming, you know. The phoenix rising. Oh, yeah. That's better than a snake. I don't like snakes very much. Yeah. It's really brave. I mean, I do think it's really hard. I think both of you, I'm in awe of both of you and the bravery it takes to not just be like, this is what I'm told will make me happy. What do I think will make it's me happy? It's such a long process to get there. Like a really, really long process. For both of us, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still... It's still happening. Yeah. It's like you just make decisions daily where you're like... But we're good at pulling each other back. She's really good at pulling me back in when I start to... When I'm not on my unicorn floaty anymore and I'm like... Eh, and she gets the rope and pulls me back in. Yeah. I love a good metaphor. Okay. What about you? Um, the only like mistakes I can really think of are more interpersonal. Like, um, the one that pops into my mind that is that like when my, when my parents and I, when I came out, we kind of had a number of years where like things were a struggle because I think they, they just had a different picture of what my life would be like. And I wasn't behaving well because I was, you know, lying a lot because I knew that they didn't approve of certain, not approve, but they just like, there's some sort of disconnect happening. And at one, at one point we had like this huge blow up and against my better judgment, almost like I wrote them like a five page letter where I was just like, like they had been mean to me and judgmental of me. And I just like turned it right back on them. And it was like, and I still think about, I mean, I've like, they've apologized and I've apologized, but like, I think I hate that I put it in writing because like, not that I think they would be gluttons for punishment, but like my mom could go read that letter again tomorrow. And like, I just hate, like it was one of those things that you just should have said in person. And like, I was just mad about so many things and I was right to be mad about a lot of things, but I just shouldn't have sent it in a fucking email. 
Because I just hate now that like I know that, that that's it exists like somewhere. it exists, and I just like I hate that. So I think that's the one thing that like when I really think about what like there's no there's not like oh but I grew from that you know or like oh our relationship is strong or like our relationship is fantastic right now but like not because of the letter yeah and I just hate that like ever I think about it existing and I'm like well in the same vein of what I talked about my like mistake being I think what I've gotten right is that like I think when you make certain mistakes especially with your parents and your siblings and like that that like family a lot of times you can let that those little forks in the road become mile-long separations. And I think what I've really gotten right over the last couple of years is like putting in a lot of work and a lot of effort to make sure that mm-hmm. the people who I love, where I have fucked up along the way, like I have really put in the time to like drive those relationships Check back together. Yeah. And you know, you can let when you say certain things, like you can become so shameful that you said the thing that like you don't want to revisit it. And I, I, I think I've gotten right that, like, I was willing to go back to that mm. um, with the people that who are, like, really most important to me. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to have me over and have an incredibly Thanks, long Liz. conversation. I love them. I just love how open and honest and thoughtful they are. And I love their dynamic. I love how they call each other out, but they support each other. And I don't know, they just, to me, have such a great relationship. I know that you don't see everything of the behind the scenes and all of that, but I really think that they are relationship goals and the way that they work through things. And I don't know, I love it. As always, if you love this episode, please, please, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen and give it a five-star review and a comment, a rating or whatever they call all of that. It makes a huge difference in helping other people find the podcast. And also I like to read them because then I feel like people are listening and people are enjoying the podcast and come talk to me on Instagram at Liz Moody. I love talking to you guys about the pod as always and have a lovely, magical and wonderful day. Bye guys. I have a product that is going to change your life. I've recommended this to so many people and they're all floored. It's basically a perfect dupe for the viral Laneige lip mask, but a million times better and with ingredients that are clinically proven to help dry lips and actually good for you, which is important because you're essentially eating anything that goes on your lips. It is the Osmia Lip Repair Overnight Mask and it feels like heaven. And you're going to want one for yourself and also to stock up and give them as gifts because they are the best present. They help my dry lips when nothing else works and I will never be without mine now. And while you're on the Osmia site, you are going to want to stock up on the bar soaps. This is the original product that Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder, created, and they have converted me to bar soaps after years of not being able to take the plunge. They're cured longer, so they last way longer than any other bar soap I have ever found, which is amazing for travel. I have been traveling so much recently, and I've had literally the same bar of soap, and they smell amazing, and they do not dry out your skin. Go with the scent that speaks to your soul, but coffee mint is my personal favorite. Finally, if you remember Sarah's pod episode, she has a whole line of products that help with skin conditions like perioral dermatitis, which is when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. She's famous for this. So start with the black clay facial soap and the purely simple face cream if you are like, oh yes, that is me. 
If you'd like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com.